0: This is the Drummer's Only Podcast, brought to you by the UK's leading drum store.
1: Good afternoon, good evening, everybody. Drummer's Only Podcast, episode number 67. And we're here, delighted to be here, with the wonderful Klaus Hessler. Evening, Klaus.
0: Good evening. My my pleasure over here, Chris. <laughs> um,
1: so if if you're new to the podcast or, or you're new to playing and, and you haven't met Klaus yet, he is um, a world-renowned educator, drummer, author, performer, clinician um, based in Germany. He has taught and teaches at uh, the University of Music and Performing Arts in Frankfurt, the University of Popular Music in Mannheim, the Vocational College of Music. Uh, he does private lessons and he also has... Drummond kinship project with the wonderful Annika Nellis, and he's also got his online education site the wonderful open-minded Klaus has written articles for every major drummond publication there is He's played on just about I think just about every single major festival There is including PASIC Which gained him a standing ovation. He has oh released uh one two three four five six seven eight nine books and dvds combined on a variety of different sources um mapex artist sabian artist uh promark artist evans artist gone bop he plays for a wonderful organ trio called flux who i'm a fan of um yeah he's um he's a very very well respected man and it's a pleasure to have you here my pleasure and
0: Thanks for having me on the show.
1: <laughs> no, no worries. I mean, just those things alone, people would probably tag out of a career there, because that and the this sort of length of time since you started playing is, is a, a, a monumental amount to achieve, man. Um, <laughs> that's pretty pretty good, pretty good going so far. <laughs> Thanks. Um, I sort of I, I sort of came to you. You're playing in a variety of different ways, but I think the thing that that. Uh, I associate you most with perhaps, is your love of rudiments and rudimental drumming, um, and your your study and your your presentation of all of all things rudiments. Where did that start for you, man? Because it's not something that people really put as much time into anymore.
0: That that is correct, yeah. And uh, and at times you even run into people who would say, ah, oh, you know, rudiments—that's ah, uh, that, that old-fashioned stuff. I I. It, it it stinks somehow. It, <laughs> it's not cool, isn't it? Um, but um, well, I mean, uh, making the, the 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 long story kind of short. Uh, I always like drumming of all sorts of styles and calibers and genres, and rudimental drumming made no exception here. And, um, and of course, um, when you look into um, uh, when you look into any sort of, uh, I mean, uh, like teaching scenario, of course you have to uh, to include things like uh, being able to play some some Charlie Wilcox and some some Pratt or some of the standard rudimental sources. But uh, one thing I ran into relatively early on was there was a uh, um, a say mystery about. How do you actually play those rudiments? How do you interpret them? How is the spacing with the double strokes and how about the drags and how about the flams and and what are these patterns supposed to sound like? And and, uh, most of the answers only came relatively late when I began uh, to study uh, both uh, Swiss rudimental drumming but also French ancient rudimental drumming. And that presented a lot of answers of which I thought 11 out of 10 drum set players didn't have those answers. So, <laughs> yeah. and, and quite some of it um, also worked out great as a huge source of inspiration for my drum set stuff as well. This is uh, mostly how I look at it.
1: I mean, I, I didn't realize the French even had a um, influence in the world of rhythm. It's, to me, it's always been Scottish and America, uh, Scottish and Swiss. And then sort of latterly american what did the french contribute what was the difference
0: um well first first of all it, it i mean you you mentioned the scottish and uh, scottish rudimental drumming is uh, what a lot of people actually don't know a relatively young phenomenon right the, it came into life mostly through a connection between the late great dr fritz bagger who was let's call it the sanford molar of the swiss okay if you if you will or some some kind of legendary drum instructor uh, in Switzerland, and he was good friends um, with a, a Scottish drummer by the name of James Catherwood. Mm-hmm. And uh, James Catherwood uh, also adopted the Swiss way of writing, of, of uh, notation, with that, one sing- uh, with that single line system, right hand above, left hand below. The, the Scottish write their stuff because the Swiss did it like that. Okay. So that was what Catherwood adapted uh, adapted from from Fritz Berger, and uh, and also there was a relatively strong connection between the French school of drumming and the Swiss school of drumming, because um, I mean uh, it was uh, back then if you if you remember uh, times in Europe say in the in the 1700s where or Napoleonic times let's say most of most of europe was actually under the french flag because of napoleon right Uh, so most kings or any any sort of lords if you will they they all spoke french they wore the the, uh, french clothes they would they would look into french architecture they would look into french lifestyle so so speaking French and being as French as you could be was <laughs> the was the hip thing in the 1700s and well into the 1800s. And I would think that drumming made no exception here. So there was a a large exchange between Swiss and French rudimental drumming, and up to a degree where you could not tell which actually was French and which was Swiss. Um, it's to some degree a speculative thing, but uh, I hope this answers. Your question to some degree,
1: yeah, so did they use it the same way, so from my understanding of rudiments is that they were initially field calls for soldiers
0: basically yes, and uh, um, and the story goes, although you cannot really prove that exactly, but the story goes that the swiss uh, that Swiss mercenaries, Swiss soldiers were the first ones to use fife and drums. Um for organizing their actions on the battlefield right and uh and most european kings uh when they wanted to be something right they they tried to hire Swiss mercenaries, which automatically spread Swiss stuff all around Europe, but to some degree kind of interacted with the French school of drumming, which was also like happening on the forefront and mm-hmm. uh, uh but yes, organizing. Say all sorts of warfare and military actions on the battlefield was the was the thing to do using signals of fife and drum.
1: Well, it just it seems kind of interesting that for, if I've understood you correctly, that the French and the Swiss would trade information mm-hmm. on this despite it being used as a tactic. <laughs> for, do you not know, understand what I mean? So, if you if the the Swiss and the French were to end up in battle, and there's two sets of snare drummers like telling
0: them what to do they each know what's coming well it 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 should be it should be mentioned that uh, our understanding of uh, of countries today was not really the understanding of what it was back then because i mean today we have france and germany and switzerland and belgium and all these european countries um but back then it was like very small areas there's a king here and a lord there and a count there and a, mm. another guy there you know, uh, it uh, it was truly uh, a, a badge of honor for a certain drummer back in those Renaissance or 1600s, 1700s times, um, Baroque times, when a drummer would be able to understand and uh, uh, and use the signals uh, that were played under foreign flags. So. So, a lot of drummers knew the signals from Switzerland or Mm -hmm. from French or from the Germans or from the Italians or from the English or from whatever. And uh, to some degree, there are overlaps in terms of very similar signals for certain military activities, if you want to call it like that. Mm -hmm. And in some regards, there were quite big differences between those signals that were used to organize troops. Uh, either on the battlefield or like only in the camp or the garrison for any sort of everyday like actions like put the flag up get go mm. get some wood, make fire, get water <laughs> whatever yeah the, yeah the,
1: the... so is that where camp duty comes from
0: that's the that's actually where the idea of the camp duty comes from so the so the camp duty was a catalog a a vocabulary of uh of drumming signals, marches, and drum beats that every drummer had to understand uh when he was playing in the army
1: cool so for if you're unfamiliar, Klaus has a collection of books called Camp duty Update um which would uh, has a lot of these kind of rudimental solos and these rudimental ideas in them that and, and I think you've contributed your own ideas
0: further from that correct so so what i what I did was i I took pieces which more had the character of like a, a little musical piece, not just a, a drum beating that would say, alarm, the enemy is upon us, <laughs> charge, cease fire, do this, do that. I mean, those signals were relatively short and sweet because you you had to whip those out fast and everybody had to be able to understand that. But there was a collection of say musical pieces, if you will, that were a little bit longer and a little bit more elaborate. And uh, I was using, say, the original fife melody and uh, the original drum part. And then I would still compose a modern drum part, if you will, Mm -hmm. has more hints towards um, Swiss rudimental drumming, but also to the idea of collapsed rudiments, which was something that my mentor Jim Chapin Mm -hmm. uh, exposed me to.
1: That segue is wonderful because the next question was going to be about collapsed rudiments because I I watched your Drumeo Drumeo, um, lesson and there was a lot of collapsed rudiments on that. So was that something that Jim came up with himself or was that something that was already present and and he just taught it?
0: I think it's once again one of these things that of, of which I guess Jim really invented that. The idea of taking a certain sticking. And collapsing distances between the notes, but without changing the original sticking or expanding the distances between the notes, so the sticking would still be maintained, but the rhythm would be different. And um, and I think it's just another of these originally Chapinistic inventions that he made, along with, of course, his his famous book on on Independence Advanced Techniques, Volume uh, One.
1: Yeah, I mean it, it, it's. Quite an amazing thing when you start to look at it because it, it sort of it's like a little key to unlocking rudiments at times. Like I, I think it was it a flam accent and a paradiddle are basically the same thing, the same sticking. You just you just condense it into a flam or, or widen it out. It is, yeah, correct. Like that, the light bulb that goes on when when you start to look at it, like that's amazing because it means that you already have all the information, man. You know. So for you, what's the natural extension of that as a player? For you, is it is it taking it to the drum set? Is it taking it away from the snare drum? For like this kind of idea of rudimental study, what what do you want to do with it? What do you see as your goal with all
0: that? Well, to to me personally, what what I take from that is a vast variety of of ideas for my own improvisational stuff, mm-hmm. creating a drum solo. Uh, is usually always connected with uh, okay. I I need to understand some some basic motifs, some sort of themes that I want to use. I have to have a couple of ideas and different parts to the drum solo. But uh, where do I get those ideas from? And my go my number one go to source is collapsed and expanded rudiments. And, right. Uh, long story short.
1: So so like, do you would you take a? You know, take a, a, a any kind of rudiment and isolate a, a hand to to figure out what the rhythm is and and what the melody is from that, and then create it from there.
0: For instance, so uh, so the so the process of collapsing and expanding or isolating a hand can be used to uh, to generate uh, creative ideas and unlock a certain amount of potential, which is inherent to a certain pattern, but you didn't see it before when you play both hands at the same time. But uh, at also at the same time, when you isolate one hand and, and you practice that in front of a mirror, let's say, in the best possible case, you you also have much better means to, uh, to improve your movements because just isolating one hand, uh, I mean, uh, makes it much more obvious of what the smartest way to move actually would be. So it's also a, a pretty cool tool to help you improve your technique in terms of streamlining your emotions
1: wow okay i've never really thought about it in terms of motion before i've I've kind of always thought about it in terms of um just melodies almost and and, and just a rhythmic structure yeah um oh it's gonna i'm gonna scratch my head for a couple of days now thinking about that <laughs> but um it's no secret as well that you studied with chapin and 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 um for for those of you who, who maybe don't know who jim chapin is or was jim was a sort of world renowned educator that was the foremost authority on the molar technique um because he studied with uh, a a fella called Sanford moeller who had observed uh rudimental drummers playing and, and 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 saw that these guys could play really quickly really loudly but with as minimal effort which to play outside on an old school um rudimental war drum is no easy feat right correct so what led you to sort of investigate Molar technique?
0: Well, um, <laughs> I to, to uh, sp- frankly speaking, I didn't really investigate on Molar technique. I'm I, I, I more or less ran into Jim when he was uh, visiting Germany, and uh, um, and and of course I knew who Jim was, but I was the the only thing I was aware of was his book, Advanced Techniques for the Modern Drummer, Volume One, um, but uh, yeah i had heard about molar technique but uh i i, I didn't really f- understand what it was i i had heard there is such a thing as molar technique but i had no idea what the details or the characteristics were mm-hmm. um, so uh shortly after uh i ran into jim he was uh he was um he was having an engagement with a private drum school that i was teaching at at the time and uh um and, and the, the guy who was running the drum, sh- the drum school, who was my former teacher, um, he sort of, uh, say, <laughs> um, he, he just said, okay, your in-laws, they, they have that little hotel and the restaurant, and here's Jim. So Jim's going to stay here for the, for, the, for the rest of the week. You take Jim and, and, and you take care of him. Goodbye. Thank, thank you. Nice talking to you. <laughs> you. So, uh, so that was how the story started, and uh, and we're speaking 1990 here. Wow. Okay. So it's just been a sort of a study from then, really. Very much so. Yeah. When when actually, I would say not a lot of people were into molar technique. It it only say when 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 people started being interested in molar technique. I already had, like, mm-hmm. let's let's say at least 10 years of studies with Chapin under my belt, which uh, which was a, a pretty cool advantage at
1: that point. Yeah, big time. It felt like it became one of those really fashionable things for a while. Um, like, everybody got into it. You know, I know guys like Dave Wickle looked at it a lot because he had some actual real issues. He had some real fundamental health issues, I think, with his, with his playing and
0: his hands, so it, it helped him a lot. I would, I would think so. Although the, 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 the source that that Dave went through was a little bit different, and, uh, and, uh, and here is quite a, uh, quite an interesting topic about mola technique because I mean a lot of people uh, think they have it down, and a lot of people think they, they are explaining it and teaching it in the original way. But uh, what I actually get to see is there is a quite a. <laughs> A, a, a huge deal of of misconception and mysterious information <laughs> which which to a, a large degree isn't really super cool but this is how i make money but don't tell anybody
1: yeah it must be interesting if you've if you've studied it from pretty much the source to see it being kind of diluted because there's you know there's there's i've seen some people online argue that you you don't need it now because we're, we're not playing drums the way that people did back then. The, the drum set can be set up in a way that doesn't need that simple mechanic. But for me, it's a kind of no-brainer.
0: If, for, for, for me, just in the same way. And, uh, and of course, we do not walk through a forest with a 16 by 16 field drum hanging at our side and, uh, mm-hmm. and, and bashing out some, some military signals to inform soldiers <laughs> that the enemy is upon you. That of course, that of course not. But uh, but I think uh, if if you at some point look into a more comfortable, more fluid, and uh, at the same time efficient way of movement, I guess there is hardly a way around using molar technique to some degree. We may argue to which degree you use it, and uh, and I'm and I'm not that kind of person that says. Oh, this this technique is wrong, so your playing is not good. Mm, sure. I'm the most liberal person when it comes to discussing technique, believe me. And Jim would say, uh, if somebody tells you there's only one way to hold a stick, run the other way. Mm. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I remember those those statements from from the lessons. But uh, but honestly, a, a lot of people discover molar technique more or less by accident because they find, they discover it for themselves. At times, without even noticing that they are using it, and this is what makes it, uh, and this is what really proves a hundred percent that it's super relevant still today, no matter who says what.
1: Yeah, yeah, I would agree. And if you look at like any sort of any hand drummer, any drummer that plays without drumsticks, that wrist motion is there. You want to stand up and play congas? You're not playing congas with your thumbs up. Yeah, or you. You know, yeah. Yeah, to get the best sound of the instrument, to me, that's the kind of, the word I want. It's an extension of that, you know. that Take that idea, close your hand and put a stick in it, and it's kind yeah. of the, it's very, to me, it's a very similar thing. Whether or not I'm right, I don't know, but it's very, very similar to that. So, here, one question I'm, I'm interested in, though, is like, when, there's a guy like yourself who studied technique so far as a musician how do you let all that go
0: you, you have to forget about it and that and and jim was uh, in his teachings he was very serious about that uh and when and uh, and i remember situations when people were having a lesson and they and they had asked me to still stay in the room because uh, because their english was not that good so i stayed in the room and they asked jim that question jim how would you like me to to practice all of that and and a standard quote of jim would be give me 20 minutes in front of the mirror daily and when you go on stage forget you know me wow <laughs> that that was a, a typical chapin quote when you go on stage forget you know me when you go and play music you just play and forget about the rest if you realize at some point it's challenging for you to get your ideas out on the drums well even then don't think about that on stage strike the drums drive home go to your practicing studio and then the next day you're going to find out why that was and uh, and you investigate further on that but then when again you go on stage for, forget technique don't think technique or i would even say don't try to not even think when you go on stage was that easy for you? No. <laughs> <laughs> do you still have to work on it? I mean, the that sort of of mental uh, status that that you try to be in when you go on stage is, I guess, something that you always work on.
1: Yeah, because I've watched you play, man, and it's just it's it's just all all there. But at, at no point do you feel, or do you sound, or do you look like you're working
0: anything out, yeah, and and that I'm and, and I think it's it's also something that uh, that I take pride in being able to do, and it it reminded me like when you you mentioned that book Camp Duty Update when when I was was doing research with uh, with old sources um, there there was one quote that I found in a in a book by a guy named Samuel Potter uh, from the 1800s, and uh, and there was a quote saying. Take pride in making it look easy and beat your duty with spirit yeah, but take pride in making it look easy is something that uh, that very much responds or resonates with me because uh, when i when I can make things look easy in in the best possible case, it really is easy so when I'm practicing one of my most important goals is it has to feel easy it has I, I try to stay away from being tense and mm. and, and, mm-hmm. and and being under that impression of oh I need to work hard for what's coming out now. It should it should come to you. Mm. It, it should just come out of you right as you try.
1: Yeah, I have a problem at the moment with that. I just holding tension in my body when I play, and I don't know if it's maybe I'm not doing enough practice or something, but. You know, working and and all the rest of it is is you know you got to balance all that out. But I feel I feel sometimes like I can feel my shoulders being too high or like these kind of things. And I notice you sit really high as well.
0: Sit relative. I mean, I I always sit like uh. You, you, usually, you always see that that my thighs are really kind of kind of going down. I mean, you 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 even see it here as I'm sitting on on my drums. <laughs> you notice. That's sort of an angle here. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's relatively steep. And uh, I, again, it's it's just a matter of, of trial, or it was a matter of trial and, and error for me mm-hmm. to uh, to find that position because I, at some point, I just noticed that my feet work best in that position.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I I think that maybe it's people have got a tendency to overthink these
0: things. At times they do, and uh, and there there's a lot of uh, there are quite some topics in the in the drumming community which uh, which receive so much attention. And at times I think, Jesus Christ, <laughs> is, that, is that all possible? What, 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 why do you why do you why do you lead wars above uh, uh, concerning what the the supposedly correct point of fulcrum really is? Yeah. What sort of BS is that? Yeah, and, uh, I just don't get it.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I, I feel that. Just play the drums, right? Just play music.
0: Yeah, it, it, it is. And, uh, and, and I mean, although I, I, wouldn't say I'm obsessed with technique. I'm, I'm not that kind of person. But quite some people look at me as, oh, yeah, Klaus Hessler. He's, he's the guy. He knows more technique. But, uh, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm not even thinking about technique when I play. That's at least what I try. And if somebody plays great drums, and, and Uses different concepts, I'm fine with that too. When yeah, yeah. I need to when I close my eyes and I hear great music, would I care what sort of technique that person is using? No.
1: Yeah, totally, <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Um, I've been listening to to Flux a lot, and there's some real great fluidity through the odd time. How is that for you? That because I I watched you put a reel up. Was it yesterday? Eleven over four. And four over eleven, and this kind of metric modulation thing, and I've seen a lot of your 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 floating rhythms over rhythms on some of the the stuff that you've been putting out. It's really hip. How do how do you find your way through that, especially in an improvisatory setting? You know where where there's people improvising in these. You know you might be playing in thirteen or eleven or
0: whatever it is well you 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 know quite quite some of the phrases i use are again uh um many times based out of inventions that i do with collapsed and expanded patterns Mm -hmm. so so the the length of the pattern a lot of times comes from that background right Uh, the another component that i'm using is uh, especially in in recent years uh, say, a bit more knowledge towards um, Indian concepts or kinetic concepts of, of rhythm. Sure, sure. Um, so, uh, so that also helped me a lot to better understand, uh, uh, say, odd time signatures mm-hmm. uh, or, or, say, more exotic arrangements of subdivision mm-hmm. or, or the, the related polar rhythms resulting out of that. To some degree, it's also um, th- there's also a common ground between certain rudimental um, applications, which are also traditionally even organized in quintuplets or in septuplets. It's just mm. the, a lot of the drumming people out there are not always aware of that because it's it's more it's it's just one more of the of the rather well kept secrets. But <laughs> but it's it's it's. Not really rocket science at all. and uh, and I think my ability to uh, to move sort of comfortable through most of these um, uh, things is uh, is just coming through the combination of what I just mentioned. Sure. And um, so 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 the intuitive use of concepts uh, that that lead you towards a flawless, Uh, mastering of of odd meter stuff uh, to some degree is basically just uh, based on experience so when you have quite some experience it's easy (laughs) to be intuitive or you have to be fearless (laughs) yeah well yeah that's another aspect or you're or you have the experience and you're fearless yeah I was
1: going to say because that's where that's where that music feels like it goes it can really build up and really go to sort of Quite dynamic places, both north and south of the volume spectrum. You know, it can it can really push and really, it can it can go really loud and 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 sort of in your face more on a rock thing, or it can be really quiet and delicate and subtle. It's, and and I don't think you can do that without being fearless,
0: and without the experience. You know, very much so. And uh, and I mean the, the the special situation with with Flux, for instance, is that uh, that Paul the Hammond player. Uh, he he used to be a student of mine when he was uh, when he was a kid at age of six. Oh wow! Uh, and uh, and he still is a is a pretty cool drummer. Um, but uh, I mean the the magic thing about Flux is and and the magic thing about our interaction on on stage, especially between Paul and myself, uh, it's I mean I can play whatever I want and Paul always. Bam! Comes <laughs> out on the one. He 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 knows my game, mm-hmm. uh, and that just adds another component of uh, me sitting on stage and just being under that impression of I can do whatever I want because Paul knows it anyhow.
1: And it, and it, it, that comes across, man. It feels like that when you watch that band. Like none of you are reading you know you're all just playing you, you know the arrangements down you know the tune you know the 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 melody guys know the changes there's no sort of um what we're doing again you know or what keys you know there's none of that um it's really impressive antonio sanchez of talks a lot about how the jazz world can get a bit sort of self indulgent and leave the audience out of it mm-hmm. but you guys look like you're playing really sophisticated music but taking everyone with you i think that's really important
0: yeah and it's 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 for sure what we try and uh and and like uh the, the the third part of flux like thomas on guitar i have i have played with thomas uh let me see like a, a more more for more than 30 years now this is this wow. is how how long we actually know each other and uh and there is there is quite some some mutual experience of both of us on on the same stage. Mm. Uh, it's, it's just with thomas it's it's less of a of a rhythmic um say shared dna if you will with thomas it's it's more it's more the expression and the and the drama that he connects with his melodic lines and uh, and his ways to, to to organize his solos and all of that and uh and i can follow that wherever i go and paul always knows where one is and hmm. that and that just creates a deadly cycle which is what i what i just love with flux
1: yeah it sounds great man do you contribute to the writing uh
0: to some degree yes um like uh, on the on the last album there was uh, especially one song which was uh, the the cover song actually earth mm-hmm. uh, in in which i had a, a a pretty large impact on i mean not just in terms of uh um, of the time signature which, which is also in 11 but uh the 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 original song was uh, uh i mean before we recorded it it went totally different directions and uh at some point we were just stuck with an idea and the tune wouldn't go anywhere and uh so so i sat down at my piano and organized some chords and I said, okay thomas how, how about you finding a, an, another another melody on that and he would look for the melody and uh so it, it was really like a like a, a, a joint venture of the three of us uh, mm-hmm. with each of us, say, throwing something in.
1: I'm really, I'm always really interested in talking to drummers about how they write, because I, I, I've i written a lot of music in the past and, and a very similar kind of jazz rock thing as well. And it's interesting to hear how people approach, like, do you have a particular approach? That, and I, I'll lead this with, I like to write with limitations in place. So it can only be in a certain key. It can only be with a certain scale. It can only be with a certain time signature. Because I find if I've got too much information, I just like ah overload. You know.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, when I when I compose music, which happens every now and then, um, I I I try to uh, I try to not think like a drummer. Mm. But yeah, too. But uh, but I mean, ultimately speaking. Uh, still i still i am a drummer so 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 th- th- there will be certain aspects in my in my aspects uh, uh of composing that that would for sure be typically drummer but uh but i'm more attracted by the the chords and the voicings and the melody and, mm-hmm. and all that so i'm so, so rhythm and time signature and and all of that is what I think the least when I when I compose music, really.
1: Mm-hmm. And do you do you then have to sit down and be like, right, how am I going to play this?
0: Um, in the, I mean, in the in the beginning, I'm just looking for chords. I'm I'm right. looking for for harmonic structures that I like.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's just it's interesting to me that stuff, you know, because drummers don't get. A lot of recognition as as good writers, or good composers, you know. When typically they make really good composers because, and much like they make really good sound engineers because of where we sit.
0: Correct, and uh, and I think the sound engineer thing also uh, is is basically just because of the fact that 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 we are conducting a little orchestra here. Sure. It's it's very similar as a, I mean you you're, you're the conductor and this is the orchestra. And you need to make sure that that all of the guys are, like, <laughs> playing in the in the proper spot with the proper dynamics, with the proper sound, with the proper voicing, with the proper intro, outro, whatsoever. It's mm. it's like a little orchestra, and that puts us uh, very much in 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 the shoes of a sound engineer, which which is something that a horn player, for instance, uh, usually does not do because uh, uh, i mean he he has this one line that he's playing and yeah. uh and that that's more or less it which which doesn't make it a bad instrument at all i i, I love horn players but uh it's 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 just a, it's it's a different beast
1: yeah they, i mean they, they just don't deal with the sonic spectrum in the same way cuz no other instrument deals with the fundamental bottom end to the fundamental top end of the sound spectrum you know from right. ba- from bass drum to cymbals it it, it it goes all the way from bottom to top you know correct. Right. um so you're, you've also sort of big into open hand playing and, and that's a big feature and, and your kit is set up in a way that's almost symmetrical mm-hmm. to, to ride cymbals, um, crashes and bells on either side. How did that come about for you, man?
0: Um, well, the, 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 the short version is I, when I started out playing drums as a kid at age of four and something, uh, I, I started to play open handed and and i think that actually any kid that does not have a certain influence from a father <laughs> brother sister mother uncle whatsoever would play open handed that's at least what i what i learned in the in the last 30 plus years of of teaching drums so i was starting out playing the drums open handed as well and i only began to cross my hands when people Told me to do so. <laughs> so uh, um, and uh, and I'm I'm cutting out a lot of information now, but I only switched back to uh, uh, to playing open-handed somewhere in the beginning '90s, when uh, when I then ran into uh, into Dom Famularo, um, who <laughs> more or less forced me to <laughs> start writing the open-handed books together with him. Uh, open-handed playing, Volume One and Two. Mm-hmm with uh, forwards from Billy Cobham and Simon Phillips and Kenny Aronoff and uh, who else Will Ooh. Kennedy we still had mm-hmm. and um uh and that was when I when I sort of went back to playing open handed and uh, and I'm doing so ever since still
1: Are you ambidextrous or left-handed?
0: I am no I'm right-handed and okay. I also prefer my right foot to play bass drum but uh, but in the process of uh, of looking more into the details of open handed playing i figured that not every left handed person is also automatically left footed
1: mm, yeah
0: so that was something that i learned from pretty early on just as in the same way uh, i mean left being left handed or right handed that's not something like a, like a black and white thing yeah totally <laughs> you have many different degrees and somewhere in the middle you have ambidextrous people but but that is actually super hard to find and uh, and uh, and i mean like today where i would say i mean most of what my right hand does my left hand is also able to do mm-hmm. but still i catch myself with certain preferences uh like I, I i rather like to play ostinatos with my left hand because i understand my left hand is battered with ostinatos, and then I can mm. do all the hip shit with my right hand. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and so, so there are still certain preferences, although technically I could use both hands, but, uh, but same you find with kids that are growing up bilingual. They, they, technically, they can speak two languages, but still they have a certain preferences when they talk to their mom. Uh, when they have a bad market school, they use language A. But yeah. when they, when they speak to their fellow uh, pupils in school, they prefer to use language B because that's that somehow somehow feels better. And uh, and I guess same goes for your choice of left or right hand. It's, it's
1: fascinating. I have a young daughter, like she's about to turn three, and and she knows what drumsticks are now, and and she picks them up, and she and I'm like, I just don't want to even cloud it you know just let her find her way with it if she wants to do it she will but it's interesting you say that if if, if people weren't told they probably would all just play open handed it's
0: I, I, I remember like when when i when i talked to billy Carvin once about that in in terms of billy how, how was your first say formal drum lesson and he said yeah my, my father took me to a to a guy named spex powell and uh, and uh, and uh, and he had me sit down behind his drums and Billy would start play open-handed, and uh, and the guy made that correction towards cross-handed and traditional grip. And wow. and Billy would say, "Oh, but Mister Paul, how how is that? What why why am I supposed to do that?" And uh, and the guy said, "Because this is the way it's done." Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: I mean, there's, there's you hear stories of people who are left-handed that are forced to play on right-handed kits.
0: Yeah, and. Uh,
1: you know and that's bonkers just switch it if that's how they want to play just
0: let them play and and Im- imagine we are we are we are the chosen folk that is able to organize the instrument in whatever fashion you choose to mm-hmm. I mean, if you play piano the the keys are like the keys are okay but but we can make up our own instrument uh so and and uh, and whenever you don't use that advantage how stupid is that?
1: <laughs> that's funny, man. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Interesting. Um, so, massive educator. Been teaching for a long time now at a variety of different colleges. What's your approach to education these days, especially in academic education? Because it's one thing to, you know, camp duty, that's a, a specialist topic. You know, how do you take that stuff and then give it to people to go out and make a living? <laughs>
0: Um, that's, a, that's a good question. I mean, I, th- I think number one, when you, when you pick any instrument, I think it's always a, a, a healthy aspect to, to look at yourself being an, what I choose to call an internal student.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: There is no end to learning um so so being under under that mindset is actually something that i find super helpful okay uh next is um i mean i i usually ask people what their passion and what their musical imagination really is what's what's the kind of music that you are strongly say navigating towards mm-hmm. uh, and okay so so you tell me you you like the band so and so and you like the drummers so and so and so and so and 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 those are your role models and you want to play like them okay so let's look into what makes them the bands or the drummers they are and let's look into the the the, the different means and and tools that they choose to sound the way they sound, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, and and once say I educate my student towards that, I I got them on the hook, and uh, and once they understand what this not really secret formula is, but uh, <laughs> but what the, let's call it what the formula is why why does drummer so and so sound like that, when, once I look behind the curtain i i find the tools to uh, to understand more of these imitation games let's let's put it this way and uh and from there there is no end to learning and there, there of course there is a number of uh what i would consider being core aspects of drumming like a certain amount of coordinative skills you cannot miss because the drums when you play drums you need to to coordinate two hands and two feet so coordination is a thing that that you need to study Mm -hmm. and yes you need have you need to have some sort of say basic technique in order to not kill yourself (laughs) when you you play but uh but it's always the question of how far do you want to go down that wormhole for the kind of music you want to play uh and this is what a teacher Needs to keep in mind when when you are teaching a student, it's it's all about the you, you know the 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 fish has to like the bait, not the fisherman.
1: That's a great analogy. Um, so it sounds like it's person centered.
0: It's a lot of times it's it's really person centered. Yes.
1: Um, so that gets you the best results.
0: I would think so, and I and I guess that's also uh, the reason why. Uh, I mean, a lot of my students or a lot of the the, the 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 people that approach me for for some sort of coaching or mentoring or teaching aspect uh they they, they don't all sound like klaus Hessler. Mm-hmm. A- annika is not sounding like me
1: no uh
0: and uh philo who is now playing with mars volta she's not sounding like me no
1: uh
0: and uh, a a lot of other students that i have they don't sound like me, and uh, and I think that's important, and that is what makes a, a good teacher. You 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 not want to put the same hat on everyone's uh, on everyone's head. It's you you, you want to create people who find their individual voice, and as a teacher, you're just assisting that process.
1: Great. Um. Okay. So obviously we are a drum store and uh, we sell drums percussion so it would be kind of remiss of me to not talk about the gear <laughs> um the first thing i was interested in is is your signature rides because you have two right 18 and 20 garage ride mm-hmm. what was the impetus for creating those and
0: the process like for you to create those well i i have to say the the 18 inch came first because uh, i mean when you take a closer look at my set everything is like relatively tight together. I, I don't have a cymbal here and a drum here and mm-hmm. it's it's all a very comfortable thing and I needed to have uh, an, a, a smaller right cymbal that would not just sound like uh, as a crash cymbal which is unfortunately too thick or a right cymbal which is unfortunately too small. Mm. <laughs> so, so that was the idea and another idea was uh, that um I'm, I'm, I'm a lot of time I'm using the taper of the stick uh, along the the symbol mm-hmm. uh, so so the, the the profile of the garage rides is relatively flat, which doesn't make the symbol explode right away when I play it with the shank or the taper mm-hmm. which a lot of other symbols actually do um and I like dark hand hammered sort of sound so which made hand hammering and an unlathed uh surface kind of the the go-to thing to try
1: yeah it was a sound that was kind of missing wasn't it really from especially from sabian's catalog when it came out it hadn't really been there before
0: correct yeah um uh-huh.
1: yeah i mean did how, how are they for things like
0: recording did they they record well record easily I would say so um and 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 I mean the 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 other thing that I like about them is that they come in a relatively small tolerance of weight right which is always a a, a very important thing when it comes to uh, to pick symbols mm-hmm. because uh, I mean just the profile or just the size or mm-hmm. you know that that's that's one part of the game but uh, but if a symbol comes in a relatively small weight tolerance uh that gives you a, a very similar character of the symbol, no matter in, in which country or in which store you, you, you pick them.
1: Was that something that you worked on specifically? Yeah, just very dedicated. I only want them to be X amount of grams or whatever.
0: Really? So, so with, uh, and, 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 that's, and that's, all, that's also the case, and I'm not even, I don't even know if I'm telling a secret here, but, uh, but that's also the same with, uh, with the evolution crashes oh really wow so they they also come in a in a relatively small tolerance of of weight which makes an evolution crash is always a sure shot no matter what evolution crash you get they always sound great they they always sound a little different of course it's a it's a it's an individual instrument but uh but i i never had any bad evolution crash in my hands.
1: Yeah. I mean, it, it's just going to make them so consistent, right? Yeah. You know, so and if, if you're touring a lot, if you're all around the world, they cannot be wildly different for you.
0: Yeah. And, uh, and I mean, it's, uh, of, of course there are certain differences when I, when I play a, a clinic in, in South America or, or I don't know, in, in China, of of course the symbols are different, but but they but they're always kind of cool.
1: Yeah, I, I mean I mean like they're going to be like if they're in a range, you know what you're getting pretty much.
0: Right. So uh, so I'm not really stuck with with any sort of symbol range. Mm-hmm. It's just like for crashes, I always go with either extreme crashes, H H X, or I go with evolution, or I go with legacy, or I go with with the new complex crashes, which mm-hmm. are also pretty cool so these are usually my go-to crashes if you if you will and and also there there's a certain range of of hi-hat symbols that i usually prefer like either fierce hats or click hats, Mm -hmm. or the new complex hats or artisans which are always great for sure Mm -hmm. Uh, and uh, and usually i'm I'm never stuck like i want exactly (laughs) that symbol with so and so with this kind of weight and uh, yeah it doesn't work that way
1: no no that will open up things in your playing as well that'll open up ideas because you know what yeah. whatever that sound is like that day it's yeah. going to it's going to change what you play right
0: sure absolutely you you play with the symbol you, you you treat the symbol in a you, you you really don't treat the symbol just like something that you bash on <laughs> and uh, but you 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 play with it you treat it with respect as a musical instrument it's not just a piece of of metal or copper tin it's a it's a musical instrument
1: yeah i think people can forget that i think it's really easy to forget that symbols are instruments
0: they they are
1: yeah i mean you look at the old jazz guys they're playing with two symbols and getting all these sounds out of them
0: I, I remember one time when i when i did a, a, uh, a master class and and also a performance with a band uh, with with together with chapin Mm-hmm. and and I was sorting out gear and, uh, and which obviously included symbols so I was saying Jim what what kind of symbols would you like to have I have a couple of Savians here so so you you just make your choice and uh, and he said well give me a good 18 and I'll play the whole gig said, Forbes what what do you say <coughs> at, at, at 1 18 I said yeah I mean that that's how we used to do it back in the day you had a good 18 symbol that was it. You did all with that, just gold,
1: absolute gold. Um, you've also got a pretty unique stick, right?
0: Correct. I got the I, I got a signature stick with uh, with ProMark. Yeah,
1: but it's the only one in the catalog that has fire grain and active grip. Correct. Yes. I I got a pair recently. They're very good. <laughs> very good. I, I I tried a pair out. Um, I, I I like them a lot. I I recently started playing ProMark, and and these are these are pretty cool. Yeah, and
0: I'm—I I'm, mean, I'm—I'm I'm pretty proud of them. they are a, a bit different in terms of length, and they have the the longest taper. Uh, I mean, even a longer taper than the uh, than the rebound models in the ProMark um, range, and the the tip is slightly smaller than on a than on a, a usual 5A. But uh, but the diameter of the stick, all in all, is kind of 5A-ish, but. It's half an inch longer, and, uh, and you, you know, in the, in the beginning I thought the fire grain, you know, it, uh, it just looks cool, but it, it's some advertising thing. But, but actually, really, the, I, I, I play a pair of these almost forever at times. And uh, like, like the, 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 the one I have here. Wow. And, and, I, and I've been playing that now for five weeks. Wow. So if you're just listening, Klaus has held up a a
1: his signature stick, in it it's seen some action. Um, <laughs> but it's still going pretty strong. So yeah, they are they're super they're super dense without being any heavier. It's yeah. pr- pretty remarkable how they do it. You know how they yeah. do it with moisture control and all that. For um, if you're if you're not hip to Pro Marks fire grain sticks, they they actually flame temper them, which which dries the wood out a little bit more than regular hickory sticks which then allows them to be stronger without any additional weight. So, yeah. So, what's next for you, Klaus?
0: What is next? I mean, uh, we are... Annika and myself are currently preparing for a a drumming kinship camp that we do in France Mm -hmm. uh, this um, spring, and also some more... uh, uh, Drumming kinship weekend things, of which one of them is going to be in in Italy, but the uh, but the but the next bigger project is is our one week camp in France, which is a pretty cool location, and we do that together with um, uh, Camille Bigot, oh and, yeah, mm-hmm. uh, another great French drummer, and uh, so that should be some pretty cool fun and. Uh, so, so this is in in terms of of traveling. One one thing that I very much look forward to. Also, um, I'm in the steps of releasing more rudimental music, which is just uh, engraved currently, and uh, should be put out somewhere this spring still. And uh, I'm I'm doing more work on the collapsed rudiments book, which has now seen quite some years of. Mm of writing and uh, doing things and fine-tuning stuff it was a little bit uh say out of action at the point when uh when dom got really sick mm-hmm. and, um, and i i just spoke to him today he's feeling a little better Good. but still but still very ill right uh, so keeping all fingers crossed yeah uh for 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 his health situation to improve absolutely yeah but this is going to be the 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 next bigger project uh that i need to that i need to put out in terms of educational book releases
1: great and just um but we never really spoke about it but just maybe a word or two about open-minded drumming so that people know if they want to come and check out some lessons what to expect there it's not expensive guys it's like 15 pounds or something per month for your subscription
0: yeah and I'm, i mean what what we do with open-minded drumming was more or less uh inspired by the aspect of we we wanted to put out information which is streamlined in terms of non-redundant we 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 try <laughs> to to just boil it down to okay here's the information it's legit it's reliable it's trustable uh you use it so so that was one important thing. We also wanted to have information which is non-conflicting. And, uh, and yes, with a number of drumming topics, you can have different opinion on, on a couple of different things. But what do you do if one instructor tells you, you need to do that? And the next day, somebody says, <laughs> no, 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 no. Stay away from that. <laughs> so, <clears throat> and you find yourself in the middle and say, Jesus Christ, what am I going to yeah. do now? <laughs> yeah. Um, so on top of that we are hosting monthly um, online live meetings which can be practice sessions with either myself or Annika or of the other instructors that will still be presented with open-minded drumming, um, so that's a pretty cool thing, uh, we also got quite some topics out which you won't find anywhere on, on Planet Drum, in, just like say for instance Swiss rudimental drumming starting from scratch, which will make you look at Charlie Wilcoxon from a completely different perspective Amazing. and uh, and also we host a a drum camp, uh, a yearly drum camp, which is usually taking place in August and um, I hope i'm I'm not saying too much, but this year we are doing this even in a in a, in a drum and bass like format, which will include a Important drumset player from the UK and an important bass player from the UK.
1: Amazing, great. Well, it all sounds uh it all sounds magic. And if you want to find Klaus on the internet, simply put his name in. Whether it be Instagram, Facebook, you—it's all—all his handles on the socials are just Klaus Hessler, two S's and Hessler. Um, thank you so much, man. It's been really informative. Thank you for coming on. Learned a lot. Um, so I, I really appreciate you taking
0: the time out my, my pleasure, always fun to talk drums
1: Great man, if you're ever in Scotland please come and say hello <laughs> Take care man
0: Great, thank you so much Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Drummers Only Podcast Please leave us a review and make sure you subscribe If you need any more information about us or any gear mentioned head on over to drummersonly.co.uk and make sure you follow us on all of our social channels at drummersonlyuk